What's up, everyone? Uh, my name is Ricky, and uh, I have a YouTube channel where I get to talk about music and ways to make music and all the frustrating things about it, but try and figure out ways to overcome it at times. But oh well, just embrace it all. Doesn't matter. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and I'm watching your channel. I don't remember for how long. I know I've known about it for a while, but like I think for the past few months, I've been watching it like very regularly. And before that, I would just randomly come across a video from yours. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll give some tidbits of things we're probably going to talk about in this call. Um, there's a link, you know, if you're on the live stream right now, there's a link to his channel in the description. So you can go check it out if you haven't seen his channel before. Um, so you get like 120,000 subscribers or something like that, 110-ish. Yeah, I think I think it's like 120 right now. Yeah, which, which is, is nuts. Incredible. <laughs> Dev, so Dev built crazy. That up. And so we're, we're definitely going to go through kind of like the journey with that. You you work at Novation. Um, so you mm -hmm. work like in the music industry in like the if, if anyone doesn't know, Novation makes like MIDI controllers, synthesizers and probably other things that I don't know about <laughs> as well. Um, and then also you do a lot of live shows. Um, so we'll talk about that. And also you've you have a piece of music in a Star Wars movie, which we'll talk about. Oh, a little. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i think if you you know uh, let's talk about your youtube channel first so how long have you been doing the whole youtube grind and and like kind of describe that journey of growing your channel i want to say i actually said like all right let me give this a shot in 2018 um so it's been like three ish years or so now um and yeah it's it's been a fun it's been a fun crazy journey and i had one video up um that was like the stilson hammer mark ii module yeah and i remember i did that video because i was just like i i want to i want to learn about this i was lusting over this module forever because i wanted a metropolis but i didn't want to pay for it and then I was like, well, this is a cheaper option that looks a little better. The Metropolis is kind of old. So yeah. let me just get this thing. And then I was like, oh, man, this is cool. Let me teach people how to use this because it took me forever to learn how to use this thing. So I shoot the video on it with like a dingy little GoPro. And I don't talk <laughs> at all. I just run line in straight into the GoPro and just typed everything, which was a pain. But it was, you know, when you're first starting out, you're really shy or at least I feel like most people are, I, I find that it's rare that someone's like, I'm a YouTuber from day one, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it was like very much, I'm afraid to talk. I'm afraid to say something weird. So I just kind of typed that stuff, but I put that video out and then like months go by. And then eventually I was just like, Oh, let me actually um, start doing this seriously. And yeah, I started seriously, honestly, because of Novation so I was telling them like, hey, we need to step our game up. Like YouTube is such a powerful platform, especially for a company. People basically come here to watch ads. Like I'm choosing to learn about this product that I already kind of want to buy. Let me go <laughs> learn about it. You know, it's like, yeah. why would we have no content there? You know, um, and they're like, oh, well, you got to send it here and it's got to be approved by this person in the UK and. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to just go guerrilla style and just make my own YouTube channel. So all my first videos are all just like 
innovation stuff. And eventually they're like, oh, you know what you're doing? Okay, do ours too. <laughs> you know, I was like, ah, great. And at that point, I think I had like 4,000 subscribers or something like that. And uh, I was like, well, I don't want to stop doing this. But now that this is my day job, I don't want to do my day job at night for free. So let yeah. me, I have a bunch of other stuff and I, I already have the cameras and stuff. Might as well just keep it going. Damn. <laughs> That's crazy. So yeah, you, you've actually grown pretty, um, pretty quick. I mean, to go from like almost nothing to 120,000 in like three years is, is crazy fast for a YouTuber. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts. I think the first year um, I was like, let me hit let me hit 20k and and um that'll be that'll be good you know just yeah. some arbitrary number and uh, <laughs> i went for it got it which was great and then actually did i say 20 or 10 i think it might have been 10 maybe it was 20 i could be wrong but whatever it was i remember like overshooting it by like you know a thousand or something i was like oh my god yeah. this is awesome then the next year was just insanity. At one point, I think I was getting like 1,500 subscribers a month to like 2,000 subscribers a month, which was crazy. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the virus came through and a lot of people were more at home and that helped as well because everyone's like, well, I'm chilling at home. I got some extra cash from the stimulus. Let me put together that studio I've always wanted and I already had a ton of videos at this point which was great so all the older stuff kept getting seen by other things like yeah the one thing that blew up the most was um it was oh it was like how to get clean audio on Instagram with like this hmm. little headphone adapter thing I found because I guess everyone was wanting to use their phones to record but with like a microphone yeah so that yeah that that video exploded which was hilarious oh and also the smallest amazon mixer that little cheap maker heart loop mixer thing yeah so i was like you, it was cool to kind of see what the world was doing from an audio perspective view during yeah. everything you know yeah it was really interesting the same kind of thing happened with my channel um i guess just to a to a oh, lesser degree like i i think yeah. i think so i'm at almost forty thousand now but i think i started off 2020 with like um I think 15,000 and I jumped up to 30 wow. by the end of the year, something like that. What do you think helped that? I think that was just COVID, honestly. Like yeah. I, I think everyone, because the same thing kind of happened with people who did the, the consultation calls I offer in, in my course. Like they would say, well, I used to rely on shows to promote my music or I used to do this thing in person to promote my music. Now I can't do any mm. of that. So I have to learn how to market my music online. And since that's kind of what my whole channel was about starting like 2020 it kind of just right ironically worked in my favor which is kind of weird to say that like for, for me 2020 was like one of the best years ever um yeah <laughs> which almost feels yeah. dirty to say but for every youtuber right. i think that was kind of the case is more people are right. consuming media in general and especially in music like everyone's buying you know these things to play with at home to fill the time <laughs> right right or finding another means for income yeah you know and that's like where your channel comes in yeah exactly well at least one part of it I, I don't talk too much about the money side specifically but 
it's kind of like related definitely you know people well yeah you like you piece it together you know you're like all right well how can i put out music and and get it heard and make a couple extra bucks a week or a month and then you're like oh well i need to market my music better and then boom yeah first result andrew southworth yeah exactly yeah um so that's cool man so how many videos do you think you've been doing over this whole journey like have you been I feel like you drop at least a video a week, but what's your yeah, schedule it's, been like? It's one video every week, once in a while. I haven't done this in over a year, but once in a while at the beginning to get started, I was like, let me just do two videos a week until I got to 10K. And then I can do one video a week until infinity, you know? So I've been doing yeah. one video a week. So on average, there's 52 weeks in a year. I do 52 videos a year. So I'm over 150 for sure now, but uh, could be more. Nice. I definitely don't think it's less, uh, but yeah, yeah. That, that's pretty much the, the name of the game, which is, which is fun too. You know, it's fun to try and think of um, like what, what to film. Yeah. Um, and it's also kind of hard to schedule what to film too, because <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm sure, you know, creativity isn't just something you, you turn on. Right. Um, so even just the, the thought of thinking what would be something fun to film is a creative task, you know? Yeah. It can be weird. Like, you know, every so often I'll, I'll have a week where I'm like, I have to put out a video today. I haven't even thought of a concept yet. And it's like, that gets a little strange because like I don't just want to put out like a repeat kind of kind of content or just make up some garbage. So I have to think like I have to try to guess like the people that watch my videos, what do they want next or what will they enjoy? Mm-hmm. But then sometimes I don't have things ready. I mean, you know, cause if I'm showing like Facebook ads, that it doesn't make sense. I can't show the results of a campaign unless I've ran the campaign before. And so it's yeah. kind of weird situation i'm sure you'd have it with the the synth gear um or the product kind of videos as well like you can't just throw something together and make a video like by the time you filmed a video on something you've probably been playing with a certain thing for hours or weeks or days you know (laughs) right and that you know it's so funny that you mentioned that is that it is so difficult to um like quantify how much time you're actually spending on your YouTube because sometimes from like for me being fully transparent, like I clock in and clock out on anything I'm doing towards YouTube, just so I know how much of my personal time I'm actually spending Hmm. on this. You know, I think the most, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, the most valuable time, the most valuable thing in the world is time. And I am, very uh like sensitive not sensitive but like strict on what i do with my time because i don't want to waste it and so when it comes to stuff like that it's really tricky because like okay next week i'm filming this guitar pedal i'm spending time now learning the guitar pedal but i'm also making music and it's really fun yeah so am i working or am i (laughs) You know, I'm like, do I clock in for this? I mean, I would feel bad if this was my job because this is really fun, you know? <laughs> so maybe that's a good thing, but yeah. it's such a tricky thing because it's like you enjoy you enjoy doing it, so it's fun. But at the same time, you spend so much time 
learning it, you're like, well, does that does that go into the hours worked or or not? Right. That's kind of like the thing I've been dealing with lately. But when I film and set up and break down and edit, all that stuff gets counted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that's a I, I probably should count the amount of time I spend on videos just so I know because a lot of people see a 15 minute video and they think, well, would that take an hour to make at most? And like sometimes, yeah, like I've gotten efficient over the years, but yeah, um, you have to. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you film a video, it, you half the like for a 15 minute video, you might have 30 minutes, 45 minutes of footage of just like saying the same thing wrong five times in a row. Your camera shuts off in the middle of it. Your computer freezes. Yeah. Or, <laughs> um, and then you got to edit the video, which could, you know, for me, I, I do very minimal editing, but that could take twice as long as the actual shooting time. Then you got to do research and titles and thumbnails and descriptions and schedule it and then replying to comments and looking at analytics yeah. and, you know, it's, it adds up and um, some people don't realize it. Um, we actually had a good question about YouTube. So Alex Nicolotis, I'm probably saying that wrong. <laughs> he said, uh, what's the best way to get more subscribers on YouTube as a beginner? So what would what would your answer be for this? Oh my God, that's <laughs> like the hardest question ever. Um, I mean, I can cop out and say, make content people want to watch. Duh, you know, that's the obvious and that's what anyone uh, says when it comes to that to that question, but at the same time, there is some truth to it. Um, because, you know, I'd say understanding to an extent, understanding what YouTube wants, what a viewer wants and what you want, and just trying to find the perfect, you know, Illuminati position within that <laughs> pyramid is, is the ultimate goal. So I've lucked out because from from what I think my channel is doing well is because um, people want to watch someone make music with things that they own or learn new ways to use things that they already own, right? So that's what the consumer wants. What I want is I just want to make music and chill and like hang out with someone. So that's accomplished. What YouTube wants is to keep someone on the platform basically as long as possible. You know, right. so that they watch more ads and YouTube gets more money and um, people stay on their website and get exposed to new subscribers and YouTube and just get sucked in, right? Uh, so that's kind of what YouTube wants, what people want that I found that I think, right? I'm not 100% sure. I can't speak for anybody. <laughs> and the only thing I can speak of is what I want, which is to just make music. So kind of finding that niche was, yeah. was really powerful. And I think what it ultimately boiled down to was making content that I wanted to watch because I would, I would tune into different YouTubers. And a lot of times I was like, dude, I can't, I can't make it through this video as badly as I want to learn about this thing. I just can't get through this. You know, there's so much like fluffery or just wasted time right. at the beginning. And that drives me nuts. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> and like, I get it, you know, especially in like the tech world, a lot of it is like, here's this really simple trick that takes one minute, but then they're leaning towards what does YouTube want? YouTube wants a 10 yeah. minute, well published video that people will stick around for. So how do I turn one minute into 10? Let me just tell you about how I went tomato picking 
in the first half of my day and then here's a shot of my child and now i'm in a car and i'm like so when are we going to get to how do i open an envelope of the correct way you know it's like yeah it gets kind of insane sometimes so i i couldn't i couldn't uh subscribe to those types of videos so i was like let me let me make videos that i would want to watch and luckily there's an audience for that there's an audience for literally anyone so i think sticking to doing exactly what you want to do and just kind of ignoring everything else is super beneficial because that puts you in a position to where you're making videos from your mind and, and your heart that you want to do. And you're, you of course will be influenced by others, but at the same time, you're not doing videos for the sake of getting more views or subscribers. Cause that wasn't really my goal. I just kind of set an arbitrary number just for the hell of it. But at the same time, I was like, I'm, I'm fine with, with whatever happens. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I just want to do this. So I was like, let me do it. <laughs> yeah. It was like, uh, what's it called? The kind of like Pascal's wager, the whole like belief in God is worth it or not. If you should or shouldn't, but in the end, it's better if you do versus don't or something. Crazy. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like, I would rather do it and say, I did it and yeah. nothing happened or something great happened awesome versus not do it and miss the chance of something great happening and if nothing happened yeah. i'm still okay so i was just like f it let's go let's do it <laughs> yeah man that was that was like the best answer i've ever heard to that question because a couple <laughs> people have gotten it um and that was a really good answer um and i'll throw a couple comments on for you uh alex I, I would pretty much say the same same like very similar thing that ricky just said um and that's kind of how my channel came about. It's like I originally I was the first thing I did on YouTube was screaming lessons, like teaching people how to do like metal vocals. And my thought process with that back in the day was this is something that took me a long time to learn. So people, other people probably would like to learn it in an easier way because I felt like there was no content that was beneficial for me. So like I'm helping my past self by making it. And then that's kind of just... Yeah. That's kind of what dictated the music marketing content and on all, all this stuff that I'm doing now. It's like, um, I wish that there was more information available for free online when I was learning it. And so after I learned things, I just kind of teach them. Just kind of like almost, I think of it as like, if I was going to talk to my past self, what would I tell them? And yeah. I have a fake name that I kind of think of as like my ideal YouTube subscriber. Their name is Audio Nerd Nelson. And I have it all written out, a deep description of like what they're like, what YouTube channels they watch and all this jazz. And basically it's just me when I was like 22. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, is this just like, an, <laughs> what is it, autobiography where you write about yourself? It's it's pretty much like to, almost to a T. And I didn't realize this when I wrote it out because like I, I wrote this out because I heard all these things about thinking of like your brand avatar, like who's your ideal customer. And I'm writing yeah. out all these things. And then I realized like, this is just me like eight years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I do when I think about every video is what would Andrew, you know, eight years ago want to learn. Um, and that's kind of worked well. And it sounds like it's worked yeah. well for you too, you know? Yeah. Not, not only what you, what you want to learn, but what you would want to watch, Yeah, you know? Um, yeah. I, 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 at the same time, it's just like finding, 
finding your niche, another one of those cheesy cliche things to say, you know, this topic's been covered a billion times on YouTube and there's not really much out, like it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. Those are like two separate things, right? It's, it's simple, but it's, it's kind of hard. Because uh, yeah. on paper, it's like, yeah, just hit, hit record. <laughs> hey, I'm talking about this thing. And uh, how's it going? Cool. See you later. Like simple, but everything that goes into that is, is kind of hard. And just the thought of yeah. it too. Because again, like with your channel, if anybody types in anything remotely to Instagram ads, Facebook ads, Spotify, or music, any combination of that, you're like the first like 10 videos. Right. You know, which is amazing <laughs> to see because that's that's your niche. That's your sound. I got blown away the other day because I was looking for um, this video of this uh, old producer using an MPC, like one of those like old VHS style 90s videos. And I typed in like MPC 60 old video or something like that. And like some of my videos came up because I'm always talking <laughs> about MPCs. So I was like, whoa, that's yeah. kind of nuts. So it's um yeah you yeah, you like what you, you dominate the search results when you're looking at like for anything like almost any electron product i feel like you come up on especially octatrack i think that's the first videos i saw from you were your octatrack videos um, oh yeah i went in on the ot yeah and um anything like sampling like sp404 and um you have a few digitac videos and and in Eurorack too, it's another big one you come up in, especially noise engineering, which um, thank you for making those because I used to not yeah. like them that much. And then I, I went on a huge noise engineering binge after seeing your like little 62 HP build. <laughs> As did I, man. Yeah, it's and that was another one of those things, too, because I'd say I, I say this all the time, but the most important thing to remember is that you owe nobody anything you get to do whatever the hell you want. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about a platform like this. Of course, you can't go and be some, make some crazy like monstrous core video or something. Of course, you're going to like miss yeah. some guidelines before the, the average idea, you're pretty much safe. So you get to, you get to, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself to any one idea. You know, because a lot of times people are like, I'm going to start this series. And then like two months down the line, they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're going to shoot another one of these videos. Like I told people I was going to do this, you know, and it's just yeah. like, well, what's going to happen if you don't, you know? Um, yeah, I, I changed channel topics two times. I went from vocals yeah. to music production to music business and marketing yeah exactly exactly and it doesn't matter because now you can go back and forth and yeah. it's funny hearing you mention like oh yeah i saw you with a bunch of electron stuff and then sampler stuff and then modular stuff and i was like whoa those are kind of like the phases that i went through <laughs> that i just happened to be filming but it's great now because if somebody looks up electron stuff today they'll probably find some of my old videos yeah you know and then like uh, modular stuff too. It's like, oh, I, I just want a simple small case. You'll probably come across one of my small case videos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, funny. man. Uh, we got another yeah, I, I definitely think it's, though. yeah, go for it. Uh, JC Flores. Oh, hey, man. How you doing? Long time no see. Um, YouTube is great for discovery for two reasons. One, people trying to figure out a solution to their problem. Two, because they are bored. Um, yeah, I think that's a great, it's a great point. I feel like your videos um, fit 
both of those because on one hand you teach a lot but on the other hand you just have entertaining videos where you're having fun which <laughs> i feel like you, you kind of answer both of those um both of those things you know entertainment cool. and, and education yeah i never i never thought about it that way but i i definitely approach it i mean it's it's different per video kind of like i was saying before i'm not stuck to one specific thing the only thing yeah. i do hold myself to now which is just because i like it is the the one take you know just like oh do you one take all your videos? what happens pretty much yeah once in a while i'll like cough or like <laughs> sneeze and then i'll just say whatever i just said but for the most part i'll just do like one long take unless there's a lot of talking then those I'll, I'll, uh, I'll script up ahead of time so I can really solidify my thoughts on a topic. But if I'm just like doing some modular exploratory video, it's just like one take, you know, or if I'm yeah. trying to teach a technique, it's like, here's, here's the outcome. And I like to do those in just one take because if the outcome sucks, <laughs> I can be like, oh man, well, it doesn't work all the time, but let's see if we can fix this and make it a little better. So it's yeah. like, it's just real life. I, I think that's the the important the thing that I care about a lot is just um, yeah because the authenticity of it, and I just want it to be like we're we're chilling because I kick it with homies like this all the time, you know. So yeah, like yo, your, your videos you got to check this thing out, you know. Yeah, yeah, your, your videos really do feel like it's like having coffee coffee break with rookie kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> You start off with like the the coffee and like the drum machine hits and the, the filter sweep every time, and you have the the color grading and the you're just like very. It feels like you know just like you're sitting there in the moment. It's not like this cut up thing. It feels like you're just kind of like ch chilling and having the conversation, making some music with with your boy Ricky. <laughs> yeah, um, boy. Thank you, boy. JC, and and hello, Courtney, and thanks, Alex. Ah, Courtney Hawkins. Yeah, how's it going? Long, also, long time no talk. <laughs> um, so I guess the ne next thing that would be cool to talk about is the whole Novation thing. So uh -huh. it's not, so you worked in Novation before you you were a a big big YouTuber. Um, Easy there, partner. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's such a weird thing. Yeah, but go on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, but you worked on Ovation before. So were you doing the same thing then? Or did your YouTube position kind of like put you in a new position? Uh, yeah. Oh, real quick, Alex, YouTube all day long. Forget Instagram. It doesn't matter. It's garbage. Um, oh, <laughs> forget he asked to, that. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to um, Novation, I started in 2015. And it... Weird Lamble started in like 2013 because I had a bunch of shows in New York and I met the artist relations manager for Novation in New York in 2013. And over the course of like two years, we kind of kept in contact and chatted a lot. And the whole time I was like, hey, this is cool, like to hear about gear and maybe get some stuff to test it out. But like, I'd also like a paycheck, you know, that would be awesome. So eventually um, someone left and they just kind of like, they're like, hey, let's just shove Enrique into this hole real quick and keep him here. And he'll he'll figure out what he needs to do later. Uh, we don't know what we want him to do, but we just kind of want him a part of the team, which was great. Yeah. And I started off doing um, field trainer 
and product specialists. So I covered the West half of the US, basically from Texas North to the water, hmm. uh, visiting guitar centers and Sam Ashes. So it's funny too, because sometimes in comments, people are like, dude, you visited my store like six <laughs> years ago or something, you know, like this is so weird. Um, and eventually that um, the person who left came back and then they created this role for me, which is the technology evangelist, the one we we're talking about before we went live, yeah. which is like, you know, just, just learn the products and work some events and teach people how to use our stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm down with that. Like I'll, I would be doing this if I wasn't getting paid, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then eventually that kind of morphed into me wanting Novation to do more YouTube stuff. And they were, they were running into a lot of roadblocks. And I just said, F this, I'm just going to beeline it over here and do it on my own. Yeah. And eventually they're like, oh, what the heck? He's like, he knows what he's doing. Let's bring him back and just have him do it for us with like free range for the most part. I still have to, of course, go through specific approvals. Right. Um, I can't just get on there and drop a bunch of F-bombs on top of the circuit rhythm or something. <laughs> and uh, so uh, it's just kind of cool to see that my my job innovation is weirdly what started my YouTube channel because once that took off um, and I started doing videos for them, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't want that to be what I also did at, at night when I was off work. Yeah. So, but yeah, innovation has been cool, man. I really like it a lot. Um, I got hired as a part of the rebrand for the company. Like, this was kind of like when they started phasing out a little bit of the light show stuff and we dropped the original circuit OG hmm. and um, we kind of like, you know, made everything a little slimmer, a little nicer, a little sleeker. Launchpad yeah. Pro MK2 was coming out and yeah, wild times. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even know they did light show stuff. I, I've always known them as the um, maybe that was just was probably just before my my time when I was aware of them. I know the um, yeah man. That, I have that one, of like the, the, one of one of you guys' products. I don't know where it is. It's one of the um, one of the keyboards. I forget what it's called. Oh yeah, like one, a launch key or an S. Yeah, one one of the little ones. I have like a oh, main launch MIDI keyboard, but I wanted like a tiny guy just for the table. But yeah, the launch key mini, most likely. I think so. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was it, it's really cool to uh, to be a part of a company that that is not only like supportive, but they're also really cool um, with me doing whatever I want to do for the most part. Yeah. And, and that they're, um, I mean, I've been with them forever now, you know, and it's like one of my best, the best jobs I've ever had. I think again, having a day job that is not what you fully enjoy to do on your free time. is also really important even though this one gets yeah. super close i don't know i can't i still can't tell if it's different enough or if i just like doing it enough that <laughs> uh, i got lucky <laughs> yeah i mean it honestly like from the outside it sounds like a dream job you know learning music products and and showing them off and i'm sure you know every job in the world is going to have its negatives and things you don't want to do but it sounds pretty amazing for like to be able to to do what you do um yeah yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm super lucky to to be a part of it. But yeah, there are definitely those days where it's like this is a job. Like yeah. I was doing an expense report today, chasing down receipts. 
and like entering in <laughs> little information, you know, or writing emails or chasing up an artist who might have a piece of gear that I haven't seen in a couple of years. I'm like, come on, you know, so uh, there's things like that. And I guess now it gets kind of funky sometimes too, because I, I want to keep them separate, you know, yeah, like my, my job in my life. Um, so that gets kind of tricky too sometimes. Yeah. So if, if someone else, you know, is, is let's say currently they're like a waiter or something, or they're in school and, you know, they, they want to work at a, in a music industry type job like you, like maybe it's just because I live in Massachusetts and no music companies are out here. There's like a, there's a couple, but they're really not here. But I never hear about like, if, if I wanted a job portal, I would never see like any music companies like that. So if someone wanted to kind of do what you do, not necessarily like innovation, but like another synth company, guitar company, like how would you recommend they go out and kind of, kind of hunt that, <laughs> that market? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's one of those, it's like, I don't want to say it's, it's who, you know, but at the same time, it is kind of similar to that. Like yeah. I got, it's also luck who, you know, which is maybe luck is like, I don't know, 60% of it. Who, you know, is maybe 10%. And being actually ready for the opportunity is yeah. is another big portion where we have forty percent. Is that is that correct? Um, because I I got really lucky, right? I had those shows in New York, but I wouldn't have had those shows in New York if I didn't just decide one day, hey, I'm just gonna book flights and I'll figure it out, you know. And I just book flights. I went there and I was just like, I'm gonna hit up people who run clubs and just say, Hey, I'm in town artist from LA. You want to book me? You don't have to book play, pay for my flight or hotel. I'll be in town playing other shows. I wasn't. <laughs> and uh, they're like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Like come play our show. So I got enough gigs to cover my stay and my flight, but I also met, you know, the artist relations for innovation. Ah. Now that's not to say you're going to, fly from Massachusetts to San Francisco and meet the artist relations manager for native instruments, you know, like, yeah. it's just not how it works. It just happened to be luck and that it happened to be that I was ready to, to yeah. go for it as much as I could. And in a way I kind of wasn't ready, but I was willing to be ready because it still yeah. took like two years after that to actually get hired. But my story aside, the easiest way, seriously, which is, so funny that I still think is hilarious. <laughs> Even for me to find out jobs from Novation, I find out the day we post them and we just post them on our website. Just go to novationmusic.com, scroll to the bottom, careers, see what's going on. Focus, focusright.com, bottom, careers. Even yeah. other companies, I see them all the time, like on um, like Universal Audio, Ableton. And sure, a lot of those companies are based in cities like los angeles berlin london yeah. but nowadays you know working remote ain't too bad and i can't speak for other companies but i do know at novation we do like to promote and hire from within so a lot of times like our our novation marketing manager as well as our like sales liaison our lead lead customer service agent our office like admin something something crazy they all came from tech support which is nuts <laughs> you know they all just yeah. were like 
doing doing boring work at the beginning, but eventually moved on up into like full blown, really cool positions. And I was like, damn, that is awesome. You know? Yeah, so that, that's a I good sign of, of a company. Like a lot of companies don't do that. They'll hire some random guy to do the higher position instead of promoting the people who have worked years at the company. So that's cool. Right. Yeah. And I think it's super beneficial too, because I mean, as with most industries, the person who's for the lack of a better term, like at the bottom is the most important um, person, you know, cause like tech support, yeah. they're like on the front lines of hearing what people are having issues with and what people want, you know? So you take one of those person, one of those people to like run the company and they're like, Hey, here's what everybody complains about. Let's fix that. And here's what everybody wishes existed. Let's make that. And it's like, yeah. boom, problem solved. Of course I wish it was that easy, but it, it's just cool to see that. Or it's not cool. I don't know what, what the proper term is, but basically it's, it sucks that when that isn't recognized, you know, yeah. um, you're right. I, I try to make sure that that, that doesn't go unnoticed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of companies when they release a new product, you, you just kind of like, you look at it and you're like, what? You know, like, whose idea was this? And it probably wasn't, they probably don't listen to the the people working at the bottom lines. I mean, I, you know, people pick on um, Behringer all the time for sometimes for good reasons, but um, sometimes they release something. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> who asked for this? Yeah. <laughs> um, like yeah. that, that, that uh, Platts ripoff. It was like, you're getting like the cheapest thing ever in the Eurorack market and making it like slightly cheaper with, yeah. You know, but anyways, I don't want to pick on them too much here because I, <laughs> I do have a bunch of their stuff. But <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned a really cool thing about shows before, like you would, you'd be flying somewhere and you would hit up venues and be like, Hey, I'm already in the area playing shows. Want to book me? Cause I'm already here. So yeah, you seemed at least before COVID. Um, I looked in all your videos. Like I feel like every other video that I saw from you was like, "Just played this set. This is what I used." Or like, "I have a set in three days, and this is what I'm I'm working on." Like, how do you get so many gigs? <laughs> and and what's like the process? For that? Honestly, I would say a lot of them come from the YouTube channel. Okay, but well, yes and no. I'm I'm heavy into like the underground house scene in Los Angeles. And I've been a part of it for a long time. I've been DJing here for, since I got here 10 years ago, you know, playing at different clubs and side rooms and undergrounds and stuff like that. So I just kind of happened to know a ton of people that run parties and I'm always like, Hey, let me play, you know? <laughs> and they're like, okay. Um, which is, which is all fun and great. And I'm super fortunate for it. eventually it started getting more and more because of the YouTube channel. And people like, Hey, we saw you have, some followers you want to come play and like maybe bring some people out or something yeah which was cool because just right up until the pandemic um like mid 2019 those were probably some of my best shows with like the most people and people who were there to to see me because even with djing i didn't want to dj too often to where i just became like the opener dj you yeah. know i didn't want to be there as a dj i wanted to be there as an artist um and the same went for playing shows. I was like, this is one thing that can set me aside, set, set me apart from the rest of the, um, the world. But um, yeah, as far as getting gigs, it was just kind of being a part of the scene that I wanted to be involved with. 
you know, yeah. like if I, and it's, it's, it's strange because like I used to be into, I used to really be into old Volkswagens and that's a, that's a unique thing when, to really be into. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, it was, it was a weird, weird phase. So I used to be into them and this was back in the Bay and I used to go to like all the car meets and like the barbecues and all this stuff. And when I stopped being a part of that scene, it all just like disappeared. It just like fell into the abyss. And nowadays I'm like, in my head, I'm like, does that stuff even happen? Do people (laughs) even do that anymore? But of course they do. Yeah. But it's not until you actually look for it, you know, that it presents itself to you. So same with like playing shows and stuff like that. It's like, you kind of have to dig a bit and it is a bit of a, uh, a hassle to get, to get started and get going and you kind of have to put some i don't want to say some money but you got to buy some tickets and go to some shows you know and figure yeah. out the lay of the land and see where you want to belong and just get close to them because if it's somewhere you want to belong most likely they're going to welcome you in if it feels right, right. to you to begin with you know um so i just kind of spent a lot of time just doing that and and just trying to find out and learn about what was going on in my local area, in my backyard, which happened to be Los Angeles at the time. And, and I was DJing vinyl a lot for a really long time. And I was, and then once in a while I would take like a drum machine with me just to like fuck around for a little bit. And yeah. eventually I was like, oh, I want to bring more and more. And, I, and that's when I started getting to like those like efficient compact creation setups was because I was like, what's the least amount of stuff I can take to actually <laughs> keep people entertained for like 30 minutes, you know? Um, so that's kind of where yeah. a lot of that stuff spurred from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Like just seeing your videos, you know, kind of the thought process behind that. And the next question I had was actually something that Alex, uh, you know, well, I'm not going to try to say your last name again, man. <laughs> I'm guessing it's Nick Lotus. Let me know if I'm saying it right, by the way, Nick Lotus. Um, so he said, do you think it's harder for Australian artists to make it in the music business than American artists? And my question was going to be, do you think you have do you think it was um, easier for you to get into because you're in you were in like the Bay Area and then now LA, which is like, you know, music capital of the world, basically. <laughs> right. Um, into the music industry, possibly, unless you're looking at no, they're in New Zealand. Never mind. I was thinking of Serato. I don't know of any other music companies. Deluge, those those folk are in. Oh yeah, Australia, I think. But um, I think he might mean from the artist side. Right. That's what I thought as well. If that's the case, I kind of want to say no, because at least not today, because the world is so connected. And it's not like I listen to some cool house track or some beats. and I'm like, this sounds really Austrian, you know, maybe I won't listen to this or this sounds super Swedish, you know, um, <laughs> it's just like a good, a good track is a good track at the end of the day. But yeah. I mean, that's, that's where I volley this into your field. And I'm like, how does someone in Australia get exposed to a potentially more potent, uh, American listener? If that's, if yeah. that's the goal, and I don't even know I would if that's say, a metric. Is, does that matter? <laughs> I would say on the on the online side of things, like it doesn't matter where you're from. Um, I, I've talked to people from like, like I think one the furthest guy away has been like in Iran. There's been people from Taiwan and and you know opposite side of the planet. 
you wouldn't normally think of as music places. And some of them are like successful music artists. And some of them have been successful in their own countries. Other ones have been successful internationally. And, you know, success is relative. Um, by success, I just yeah. mean they, they, they work full time in the music industry. Well, as a music artist in some way, whether it's like behind the scenes or, or the forefront as an artist per se. Um, so I don't, I mean, you know, in the online side, it doesn't really matter at all. You release music, you put it online, you use like DistroKid, you got SoundCloud, YouTube, Instagram, all that jazz. And like, people love it, they're gonna love it. When it comes to shows, my initial guess would be like, I, I would say for us, Australia, like I know of There's a lot a scene of- scene there. Yeah, yeah. It, it might just depend on what genre of music you're doing. Um, but like, you know, if you're from the middle of nowhere, um, in like the center of the United States and like you're living on like farmland and stuff, you might have to drive three hours to go to the nearest like club that has your genre of music. So I can certainly yeah. see where that might put you at a disadvantage. Or if you're in Australia in the middle of nowhere, like away from all right. the cities, you probably have a harder time. Yeah. And I don't know how beneficial they are now or yet. The future may change, but virtual shows are yeah. another thing. And but I don't, I don't think anyone said. I mean, I don't want to say that because I'm sure someone has or is in the process of. But you know, until I find out of like a virtual club that has a party every Saturday or something like that, where people from around the world can tune in, that would yeah. be cool. You know, like you take Oculus or something and create a space in there to go listen to some dope music. I'll be about that. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in 2020, online live, like live shows got very, very popular for music artists. But were they good, though? Uh, that's, that's, my, that's my question. Because like all 2020, I did one thing for Maris, which I kind of didn't want to do, but I did anyway. But then at the end of 2019, I was like, no more shows. I don't want to play any more shows, live shows. And um, then the pandemic hit, which was great. I was like, there's my excuse. So I don't have to feel like a jerk. <laughs> uh, and that's still kind of to this day now, where I'm like, no more shows, you know? But yeah, I was always curious. I was like, how beneficial are these shows? Do they matter? Do people tune in? Do they care? Is it just like your mom and your aunt? You know, <laughs> do you have to be Radiohead in order for people to pay and tune in? Or can you just be a small time yeah. artist and make it beneficial? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's probably some that are just naturally have an audience. Like if, if a label did a live show um, and yeah, people are true. showing up there for like the big artists and the small artists probably get a nice bump from that. Yeah, and, that's actually very true. And on top of that, if you're doing live live, like with gear and stuff, one of the reasons I stopped was it wasn't worth my time because it's like you're going to pay me X amount for what you think is a half hour set or an hour set. <laughs> But in reality, like the amount of time that goes into it and out of it and the risks involved with taking my gear out and yeah. traveling and all that stuff, it didn't add up, you know, to me. That's why I was just like, I'm out. Yeah. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> I, I haven't done shows since I was like a teenager. Like I, when I was like 17, 18, 19, you know, I was in like a rock slash metal band and we did shows. We did some like Battle of the Bands and all that jazz is as high schoolers and um it's fun but like yeah in hindsight i think even if like you know the shows we were doing weren't getting paid i mean i did do paid 
stuff for like a I did acoustic stuff at like fairs and I ran an open mic night but for those shows that had the whole band even if we were getting paid like a few hundred bucks to play like you know 30 minutes 45 minutes set I just think of all the time that went into that would not make it worth it because you drive like an hour you got to lug the, the drummer's stuff like out of the practice space into a van and then out of the van into yeah. the venue and you got like five thousand dollars worth of gear with you so if you get robbed you're like in the hole a huge amount um mm -hmm. and yeah exactly like i think the most the most important thing that i've ever learned when it comes to like the the business side of things and actually making it not only feasible but just make sense is figuring out your like effective hourly rate you know where it's like cool this gig's gonna pay me let's just say a hundred dollars right no for argument's sake let's say yeah, a hundred bucks. So I'm going to spend uh, 10 hours in setup and dragging my gear out there and playing the show and breaking down and prepping and all this stuff and then bringing it all back and putting it all back. So how much did I make an hour? I made 10 bucks an hour. Okay. Well, would you pay yourself 10 bucks an hour? Most likely not, you know, so I'll pass, you know, but it's just trying to figure out what are you willing to to pay yourself i guess um but of course yeah. this is different for everyone and if it's like you've been dying to play a show you of course can be like no f it because i used to do video projection mapping that was my gig before novation i would um, map buildings or ballrooms and i was doing it for very boring corporate uh, people like Bank of America or Wells Fargo, they'd be like, can you put our logo on the wall? I'm like, dude, get a sticker. Why am I here? You know? <laughs> so at the end of the night, I'd be like, please, anybody, let me projection map your warehouse party for free. I need an outlet, you know, which was really yeah. fun. And eventually I was like, okay, this is fun. But then it's that weird, um, what's it called? It's called uh, reactance, where when <laughs> someone tells you to do something, you're like, no. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. So eventually it kind of got to a point where people were like, Hey, do you want to come map our parties? And I'm like, Oh, I wanted to do it if I thought of it, but now I don't want to do it because you told me to do it. Yeah. It's like when your teacher tells you to read a book and you're like, I'm not going to read that. But if you found it on your own, you'd be like, Oh my God, it's my favorite book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good what You mentioned like, you know, everyone does it for different reasons. Like, some people will be happy playing shows for free because they're having a great time yeah. and, and they get their name out there if it's the right venue. And, um, but there's always like a trade-off. And, and I, when I did that call with, um, I did an interview with Ben Jordan and he yeah, said was he a was, good one too. He, Oh, thank you. He's I didn't even realize how much of like a, like a big deal he was when I was talking to him, which is like, you know, weird to say like big deal, but like, I didn't realize like so many people like, were huge fans of his music until after I did that. And they're like, Oh my God, you talked to the flash world. Like, I didn't, I didn't realize like so many people loved him. Um, yeah. I just knew him from his YouTube channel and then some cursory research I did. Um, but he was saying how like he was doing, um, doing, he was offered to do some crazy big show and it would have been like probably a great career move to do it, but they were offering him less money than the amount of money to cover the flight to the place. And he was just like, no, screw you or whatever. And and they were like, their minds were blown. They thought he was crazy for like turning him down. Um, yeah. And that's kind of the other side of the coin. You know, it's everyone kind of has to pick like, what's the line? And 
do you work for free if it's a good career move or not right you know? and it it constantly changes you know it's it's water it's never solid it's at the early stages you'll do whatever to kind of get a feel for it you know and in those stages you figure out what you do and don't like and what you will and won't put up with and as things kind of progress and you get rolling like in ben jordan's case it's like you know what I, that that doesn't mean anything to me i don't, I don't want to do that show i don't care who you are yeah. you're not paying me what i would pay myself They're, one of my favorite djs Shea demier from i believe he's in chicago he i remember i found out um just through like random people like what it takes to book him to play a show and he has like a well-paying day job and he's like if you can't pay me more than what my day job's going to pay me i'm not going to play your show <laughs> yeah like there's no point why would i why would i make less money to to go do this thing at that point he's like doing you a favor or something you know and i know that yeah. at a point there it does it does seem like um a bit selfish but who else are you going to be taken care of you know like yeah of course got to watch out for yourself you know, and I don't yeah. think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Of course, you could be the nice person that plays every show for free and, you know, doesn't have a problem never getting paid. But at some point, you're going to be like, okay, I don't know how much longer I could do this. So, in a way, yeah. it's kind of nice to keep it um, sustainable, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, sometimes it's good to, you know, give people a deal, but at the same time, it'd be nice for them to pay you well. So it's, yeah, it's, it goes both ways, you know, it's, um, right. I think it's, it's a very, like everyone has their own answer, which is, which is cool. <laughs> All right, I'm going to, I'm going to scroll, look at, I know there was a bunch of chat happening. Um, yeah, what's going on everyone. What's up, Mario, Michelle. India KB. Gorley Records. Oh man. Keith Urban is Australian. I did not realize that. I thought he was American. <laughs> Alex, you're from Melbourne, <laughs> Australia. You make pop music. Okay. JC Flores had to jet. Oh yeah, you're probably long gone by now. Well, if you watch this video later, man, thanks for hanging out. <laughs> Courtney Hawkins, I feel that way about my job too, just trying to keep the two separate. If Ricky ever retires early, I dibs his gig. And then he <laughs> said, oh, expense reports, never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Launch, Courtney also said launch key mini question mark. Yeah, I think it is the launch key mini. Yeah, that, that was the one for sure. Although I've been eyeing the, um, what's, what's the, the peak? That thing looks really fun. Yeah, this bad boy right here. <laughs> yeah. So I have the Hydrosynth, which seems to be what people compare it to. But um, mm -hmm. that looks a lot more like knob per function-y than the Hydrosynth, which yeah. is like, I love the Hydrosynth layout because it's so like intuitive to work. But like, I, I also really like the fact that every knob is just there on the peak. At least that's what I my initial research told me. That's kind of why I keep keep using it and keep going back to it. Like I'll put it away once in a while and then I'll try and bring something else out. And after a while, I'll realize that I'm like losing, losing motivation and making music a bit and 
kind of like, yeah. eh, things are getting a little stale. And I'll be like, what else do I have? And I'll be like, oh, let me try the peak again. And then I'll use it. I'm like, <laughs> why did I put this away? Like, this is great. You know, it serves so many purposes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, everyone watching, if you have any questions for, for Ricky here, feel free to drop them in the chat. But I want to give, um, give you, I guess, if um, give you kind of like another question, then we'll jump to um, jump to answering questions in the chat. So if you had to give like a 18 year old artist who wants to work in the music industry in some way, whether it be a YouTuber, be a successful artist or get into a job at a company, like what advice would you give that person? And I feel free to pick whichever option of those I just listed. <laughs> um, I would say be, be stubborn in not giving up, but don't, don't necessarily be like, uh, I don't know the real term for it, but don't necessarily be like needy of it. You know, like understand that it is something that you want and that you want to achieve and be willing to work heavily at it, but be okay if it doesn't happen, because a lot of times it happens when you kind of least expect it. Cause like I saw someone in the in the comments also mention, like no one's interacting with my content. And to that I want to ask, like, well, what is the goal of your content? Is it to get interaction? From people if that's the case and maybe you got to go back to the drawing board but a lot of times like i don't i would say i don't necessarily worry too much about um what the outcome of something is i'm more about the process of doing something which is really fun for me mm -hmm. and in that process things will will uh come of it like your audience is waiting for you so just start the sooner you start the better because the quicker, the sooner you start, the sooner you start fucking up. And I love making mistakes. It is like my favorite thing because then I know what not to do next time. Yeah. Every time I do that, I'm like, awesome. I know how to make this even better, you know, from here on out. Um, and being afraid of that or no, like, I guess accepting that that's going to happen is also very beneficial but if somebody wants to start just like getting a job as tech support or whatever, just go to whatever sites, you, whatever jobs you want to uh, work at, put together your resume, cover letter maybe, and just scroll down to the bottom of their homepage, <laughs> find careers, click that button, see what they're hiring. And that's it. And I would say, if anything, email people on a Monday at like 9 a.m. when they've gotten through their <laughs> weekend rush of emails and their inbox yeah. is kind of cleared out because that's usually when my email box gets cleared up because I'll start at eight. <laughs> and um, YouTube-wise, just keep at it. You know, if if you're doing it specifically to get huge, you're going to have a bad time um, because yeah. it's a lot of work and it is a thankless job. There's going to be year to two years of you questioning whether or not it's worth it or not, or you're significant other being like you're wasting your time or like friends or whatever I, I was fortunate enough to have nobody really care but at the same time i wasn't really trying to tell anybody what i was doing yeah um but it just takes a lot of time and i think that's why i find it so 
so fun is because I enjoy my time while I do it. It doesn't feel like a waste of time to me because yeah. I'm achieving what I want to do, which is put out some fun content, make some music and kick it with some like-minded folk. Yeah, man. Man, great answer again. <laughs> um, the uh, On that note, like, you know, I, I, I've uploaded almost 600 YouTube videos to get to where to, to get to where I am now. So like on the note of being persistent, like, you know, I, and almost every YouTuber is the same kind of thing. I mean, you, you've uploaded, I think you said 150. Um, and that's like, you, you've definitely grown faster than the average. Um, like I know people who have also done 500 videos and they have a smaller audience than me. And it's, yeah, it's just like, you, you can't, you can't go in expecting to take over the world and become this big successful thing, or you're going to get let down because um, it just takes a long time. It takes a lot of work and it's like an insert. It's like an amount of work you can't actually comprehend. Like five, if I think mm -hmm. of 600 videos, I can't even like imagine like doing that in one row. Cause it's just an incomprehensible. Yeah. It's like trying to imagine the number, like a trillion, like you can't, really think of it right. and, and if you're thinking like in a year i want to become drake and i want to become an international famous <laughs> artist like it, i bet you could look up a biography of him and it would have this crazy thing of all these failures and, and lucky scenarios um that, that led him to get to the point where he is like there's yeah every so often you get a peter mckinnon who blows up in a year <laughs> on the youtube side or every right. so often you get a billy right. eilish um and and those are those are like anomalies, but at the same time, I, the I always look at the like MKBHDs, which is just like yeah. the ultimate slow burn, and the momentum is there versus the big explosion to drop off or plateau. You know, it's that yeah. saying of the the brightest star burns out the fastest, right. which I think is <laughs> is definitely true. You know. Um, yeah, and the amount of time, like you said that I actually wanted to check something on my phone. So I I know on average, it takes me for each video, if I'm quick, it takes me like four hours. Editing, filming, everything, uploading, metadata, all that. So I'm gonna do 150 yeah. times four. Yeah, so that's 600 hours <laughs> that I've spent on just like YouTube stuff. And that's the rough estimate. I'm pretty sure I have more than 150 uh, Hours, so that's twenty five days. Oh my god, it's been a month of my life. So like um, a month of your life has just been completely consumed by by YouTube, which work. is like, yeah, and and it's like, you know, if you if you if you knew something was going to take you a month straight of work to do in total time, it's like that's just too much to think about. So you, if you, I was going to say, if you're doing a channel, you got to do something you you can actually be happy doing because you're not going to be able to to do the amount of work if you're not happy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Especially unpaid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and unthanked and un, you know, doing something and not even having anyone to, to talk to about it, you know, yeah. being able to be like, is this cool? Is this okay idea? No soundboard, anybody, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a ton of YouTubers out there, but weirdly enough, it's, as stars are in the galaxy that just won't, even if they were to collide, they would have crossed paths. So yeah. as many YouTubers as there are out there, it's really hard to find somebody within your area that is also doing what you want to do. So of course, reaching out 
and following people like you or subscribing to your Patreon or getting onto cool live streams like this where you get to learn a lot of stuff from like Nora Blanc or Ben Jordan or a bunch of the other artists that you've been doing stuff with is like invaluable today. And I think that's why your channel is is so needed and it's such an awesome niche to be a part of. Thanks, man. Man, appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel you. Like it, the, the kind of loneliness of being a content creator, even a musician, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really like, it's weird that even though there's millions of us around, you know, mu musicians of any kind, music artists, producers, whatever, it's like, I just think of my normal, like, friend circle. And, well, I, and I guess like, in my friend circle, I have a lot of musicians just because I've been doing music for, like, 17 years. So naturally, some yeah. of my best friends are people I make music with. But, like, if I think of, like, people at, at work or people that I met before um, or in another way, it's like most people aren't. And you for a long time, I remember when I started, I was like the weird person in my friend circle who was spending six hours a day playing guitar while everyone else wanted to go like play football or something. Um, right. <laughs> right. And uh, it's lonely, especially with YouTube. Like the first person I talked to, it was just kind of like getting to be able to vent about like how much of a pain in the ass it is to like edit videos and upload them. It's like, you know, it's, 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 and, um, have someone understand the struggles, you know, cause a lot yeah. of times if you tell people, if, if someone asked you like, what do you do? And you were like, Oh, I'm a YouTuber. Like if they'd never heard of you, they'll be like, Oh wow. You know, and kind of like a, like you're a YouTuber, you know, they kind of give you that, the rolls the eyes thing. Yeah. And, and then it's you just unrelatable. Yeah, and, and then you say, like, well, I got 120,000 subscribers, and they're like, oh, wow, you know, then they actually yeah. care. They're like, oh, so you're serious. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, dude, I've been serious since day one. That's why I started. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I know what's up, Vinny, in the uh, chat? Yeah. Vinny, yeah, he says four hours is actually super efficient. Yeah, it it really is. I'm hard on myself. When it's go time, it's go time, because I don't want to waste any of my time. I don't have that yeah. much of it. <laughs> I, I I've been doing this thing, Vinny, where um, I don't know if if you're also well, yeah, you said my videos take much longer. I use um, OBS to film my videos in addition to doing live streams, and I I do all the camera moves live as performed in the video. So like all my transitions from like face camera to screen capture to whatever are like performed with the takes of the video. Oh, cool! Um, and so that means when that I go helps to, a lot with editing. My editing time, I can actually ed normally edit a video in less time than the length of the video now. So if it's a 15-minute video... What? Mine's the opposite, yeah. And that's just because, like, I'm guessing you have to sync up camera angles and then you have I gotta to... I got to sync and then I got to go and cut it all. Yeah, and make sure that the, the cuts work for yeah. the video. So I basically, if my video if my video on YouTube is 20 minutes, it probably took me 20 minutes and 40 seconds to shoot. You know, it's not yeah. that long, but editing takes like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just the solution to that problem. I don't know if I can get this on camera, but one of these things, these stream decks, like yeah. I can program OBS scenes for different camera angles and um, different things on the screen with that. So like I can be like talking to the camera, like hey, everyone in this video, I'm going to show you how to like do this Facebook ad thing and blah, blah, blah. And then like, let's just jump in. I click a button and now we're on the screen and I'm like on the other half. So I don't have to do all those like Smart. edits and um, that makes it like I can bang out a video filming in like 20, 30 minutes. And then before the yeah. end of the hour, I have it edited 
and it's exporting. And then I have to make a thumbnail and do the thing, and it might be like an hour and a half total. Um, right. So. That, that's super good. And it's funny because you, you shoot like this, and I also shoot like this, which is um, I used to work on, on sets a long time ago here in L.A. as like a camera assist or truck or PA. And we would always talk about um, filming to edit. So over time, after doing this for a while, I know how I, how I like to edit and I know how yeah. I edit. So I know how to film and say things and do things so that it makes my life easier for my future self. Same with you here, where it's like, you know what you're going to talk about, what you're going to do. So seeing you be like, cool, I'm going to hit this button. Now I'm already in a picture and uh, picture down here, my yeah. screen grab. I still have the same mic set up. Everything's good to go. I didn't have to reset up an entire shot, you know, for this yeah. one thing, which makes it a lot easier. Even for me, I try not to color grade my videos. I just try to get it right on on set oh, so cool. that I don't have to do that. So it's less work for me later. Or I'll try and sync my microphone up directly to my camera so I don't have to sync. I have one less yeah. thing to sync, you know. Yeah. And I can see the way I talk and when, when sounds are happening on the sense <laughs> and then that doesn't, I'll be like, okay, cool. I already know I'm going to cut back to my face here. Yeah. I'll cut out here. If there's a little bit of a blank, I can go ahead and delete that. And like if I, if I mess up somewhere and just go off on a tangent, I'll just clap. So I see two large spikes in the um, in the audio. So I can be like, cool. From here, basically up to there is a complete waste. Don't even bother editing this because I yeah. clap for a reason. And I'll clap right. and tell myself, like, cut out that whole last part, maybe a minute or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's like I think like back in the day, it would take me to just like you described, like way longer to edit than than shoot. And then um, after someone told me like of the way he used OBS, um, which I've shouted him out a lot for anyone watching, but Ruslan KD, um, he described how he does all his videos and it, it like literally changed my life. It, it, it like, it makes every YouTube video for like four times faster to make just because he, yeah he showed me his setup when I did an interview video with him like a year and a half ago. And I was just yeah. like, and that, and that's, that's very important because, you know, Mario Michelle is saying it takes him 12 hours counting all the production and stuff. Um, can't do i think it's possible to do a video in a week and someone responded uh Gourley said yeah there's more than 12 hours in a week so yeah <laughs> right that's that's the um man i can't remember the terms for this but that's that's like the literal sense yes but is it practical maybe not unless you yeah. have nothing else um that's that's important to do you know, if you look at your schedule of a week, can you find 12 hours in there? You know, if you can, right. then yeah, of course, there's enough time. The other, thing, the other thing, too, is like if you take your day and ask yourself, what would be the perfect day? You know, I would wake up, I would read, do some exercise and film a video or whatever. And then also say, what would the perfect week look like? Because the perfect day is not, again, it's. It's in the literal sense, yes, but it's not sensible. It's not going to happen. Nobody has the perfect day every day. Yeah. Um, so just kind of looking at the week and being like, in a week, I would love to do this. How can I move things around of things I love to do within a week and achieve it? That's way easier to do because you got a lot more cushion and buffer. Mm. So if you can find 12 hours, yeah, you could do it. Yeah. And on that note, like if, if doing this 12 hours, like 
is going to teach you enough where maybe the next time you do it, it's going to take you nine hours. Like that can be totally worth it. Like, you know, I mean, you, you said it like it takes you that long. So obviously you've done it before, but, um, I found like, you know, sometimes it's just worth it to put in the time and do stuff, but like make sure you're doing it in a way where you can figure out a faster way to do it next time. Um, yeah. And also understanding the law of diminishing returns. Like, yeah. oh, it takes me an extra hour to add a denoiser and EQ and do all this stuff. Is it, yeah. does it make the video that much better or does nobody care? Right. You know, that's what I, that's what I realized. I was like, nobody cares about fancy, cool color grading. Nobody cares if this looks like the, an Avengers movie, you know, who cares? <laughs> so I just stopped doing that. Yeah. Same with like denoising and stuff. It's like, dude, it's hot in here. I'm going to just run the AC. If you're in here, you'd be hearing the AC. I'm not putting a noise cancellation yeah. on your ears. You know, and someone else also said, um, like, what happens when you say a word wrong or something? I mean, if it's a quick, easy fix, just start at that word and say it again and, and cut it. Yeah. Or half the time, I mess up all the time. And I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I said it wrong, laugh about it, say it the proper way or and then continue on. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Nothing matters. You know, yeah. <laughs> sometimes when I mess up like talking I, I just roll right by it and or make a joke about it that i you know said the same word wrong four times other times i'll do what you said just say it in a way that i can cut it nicely um yeah which works i mean I'm, like too like i should film all my videos with this like thousand dollar microphone i have here but i then i'd have to sync the audio up and i don't want to do that yeah. like i could process it through um isotope rx and make it all super clean and then run it through my normal vocal chain instead i use a 300 dollars shotgun mic right in the camera because um it saves me 10 minutes of video <laughs> you know and yeah totally 1000 percent agree i have uh this rode ntg3 i think it's like battery powered and stuff i'm still it still sketches me out but <laughs> I was using a passive mic forever because I didn't have to change the battery on it. And I was like, cool, less effort, more money is like kind of the joke I would always say, um, which which is what I, I saw in this PewDiePie video a long time ago. It was like less effort, more money because his videos were absolutely terrible. But he was like, I'm spending less time doing this and getting the same amount, which technically means you're making more money. Yeah. You know, um, so eventually i was like i'm using this which is great it hasn't died on me yet but i did get at some point this crazy black magic cinema camera and it made my life so much harder to film videos and i was like well it's it's this much harder it takes up this much more time yeah it takes up let's say 50 percent more time are my videos 50 percent better because of it no you gotta go right. you know so <laughs> that's that's kind of where my uh thought process came for choosing what I do want to focus on and what I do like what um, Alex says take your time on to make results yeah. better you know I will say spending the time to learn something before I talk about it of course right you know I'm willing to put in that time to learn it so I I can have a genuine and authentic video of me actually knowing ish for the most part what I'm talking about it's not certain I don't know everything but I know a bit enough to feel comfortable about saying certain things versus like talking up my ass. But at the same time, I don't want to learn it beyond every nook and cranny. Cause that's kind of not what I'm about. That's not what my videos are about. I don't want to be a, a video manual. That's yeah. Luke Hop. You know, yeah. I go to him to learn 
how I want to use things. Like anytime I want to make a video or something, I just ask if Loop Pop can make a video on it first. So I can then yeah. make the video after watching his. Yeah. Same with like um <laughs> DivKid. You know, DivKid and Loop Pop, it's mm-hmm. like between those two, it's like they're the they make the totally. perfect manual videos. Um totally. You're more about like the like how to use it, how to have fun with it, how to make music more efficiently. I, at least from from the outside, that's what I view your your yeah, channel as more about right just joke of uh what did we learn today absolutely nothing (laughs) yeah yeah which is great you you leave it you'll leave with more questions than answers especially with all my like midi syncing videos where i'm just like well nothing works this all still sucks (laughs) see you next week (laughs) still like 20 minutes it's um you know everyone has the different niches and and like noir it's like i i like his um cinematic appeal and it's like you know Great synth mysteries, and he doesn't. He's not just a manual guy, and and everyone's. Right. I don't even remember how this conversation started with the videos. <laughs> Left off. What was that? Right. Oh yeah, we were talking about how he could, um, yeah, improve, improve um, its efficiency and work time. Oh, another question from Alex. Alex, you're asking like the best, the best questions today. <laughs> what do you guys think of busking in the streets? What the hell is that? That's like performing in the streets. You know, if you oh. go in like the subway or something and there's like a person performing or like in the side of the street in, with the guitar case open. In either your life or Andrew's life, has that ever led to you discovering an artist and being a huge fan of theirs and following them? I've never, personally, as a person walking on the street, when I see someone perform music, it makes me like feel all weird and uncomfortable <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> what, why are you here performing and like the side of a street? And like, you know, if I'm the only person walking by, we're like making eye contact and you have like a case open accepting money. So it makes me feel bad for not giving money. <laughs> and um, So like me personally, um, that's that's how I've always felt when I'm walking the streets and I see someone performing. Um, yeah, I might be. I'll, a, I'll say a that weird person though. <laughs> that was yeah, that was a hilarious answer. I'd say on on my end, uh, I've seen people do some cool stuff, you know, and but it's never made me be like, oh my god, I need to follow this person. What's your Spotify? Let me follow you right now. Yeah. Because the other thing that kind of sucks, and I hate to break it to you, everybody, performing live, unless you're like, have a completely pre-done set, playing your song on iTunes will most likely sound better like 90% of the time because it's mixed, produced, mastered. And when you try and go perform live, that same quality kind of really isn't there. Um, But playing on the street or something, yeah, I don't think it's ever led to me really wanting to follow anyone but at the same time maybe i've never come across that person that's like made my jaw hit the floor but i remember one time (laughs) my friend sent me this video of someone playing a modular set in in a park (laughs) and is the person's like they're bobbing their head like playing this modular stuff on the table in front of a tree with a ton of people in the park and i had the video on mute and then i unmuted it or I had the video on mute and his text read, uh, if this was you in a park, I would pour water on your head. <laughs> and 
and then i unmuted the video and it was like a, a noise set so it was just oh. like, <laughs> you know but the person was like bobbing their head like there was a rhythm in there yeah uh, maybe there was i couldn't hear it but it was just so funny and i was just like oh man that's like my worst nightmare to be bugging people you yeah know? and i i think the for me and again like maybe i'm just a, a weird person that I only don't like it when I'm out. I'm like, why are you playing music here? I'm like just trying to get Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. Um, yeah. But I think it's really cool to use as video content, like like so organic yeah. content or even in ads. I've seen a lot of people go in the streets, like rappers or, or guitarists, like singer-songwriters will do a really cool set on the street and like they'll have people watching and you'll have someone on the side like filming it kind of from the crowd and then when you run that as an ad or even just organic content, like since the person seeing your content is like they see the other people enjoying it, it kind of makes them enjoy it. Kind of like a laugh track and like friends or something makes yeah, people totally. laugh. Yeah, totally. This, there's this really great um, content creator and producer named Lucky Paul. And he goes around and just like he literally has like an ironing board that he put like a guitar strap on it and can fit a really small setup where he runs Ableton in his backpack, but he has a mic and a loop, like a looper setup in Ableton and he yeah. can make music live with people on the street, but he also has like a GoPro on it. So he gets to show this live playing with people. And sometimes people will come and just start rapping and he'll like grab their <laughs> loops and all this stuff. And it's such a cool, entertaining video, you know? Um, so I guess the what the outcome is or the intention of going out on the street and playing live, you know, I guess it all depends really because it could be beneficial in some cases, but yeah. it ain't for me. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, like for your type of music, I think it's it'd be weirder. Like electronic music in oh, general yeah. isn't really Dude, you know. making making music for Spotify is hard for my music too because I usually <laughs> put like a minute and a half of kind of filler at the beginning and end so a DJ could mix into it. Oh, but yeah. if you go onto Spotify and you play this Ricky Tina's track and you hear a kick drum for a minute, you're like, what the hell is going on? Do I have this on loop or something, you know? So I've had to learn to make music for the algorithm and like cut yeah. a lot of that stuff down, which has actually led me to making a lot newer music that I, I also find enjoyable because I don't have to stick to any specific yeah. rules when it comes to making music for DJs or clubs. I've I've known people that the when every time they release a single they release like a club mix as a second track on the single, mm -hmm. and that'll have like the you know the beginning part to make DJs' lives easier, and then the official track will just like cut right to the chase. Um, yeah. So I guess that's probably the happy medium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll put out different mixes once in a while too, but I use DistroKid and um, sometimes I'm just like, well, what's the harm in just putting out a version on yeah. all the streaming platforms and then another one that's just for you know beatport right. and and uh what's the other one track track id or i can't remember the name of it. track source it's been so hmm. long since i bought dj music oh my god <laughs> yeah I, i've never come from that world of uh dj stuff although i, I did actually yeah. have a dj business when i was in high school but it wasn't like <laughs> what you'd call djing it was like go to a party with a computer and some speakers and play music one turntable serato and like just mix back and forth not DJ. even That's what i did i just had no. a laptop like just a laptop and we were just virtual having, dj no itunes <laughs> 
we we would we would right. um we would charge you know a, a decent like we were a good price because we were just in high school but i had yeah. some pa speakers and we would just buy music on itunes and play music people wanted to hear and that was it dude like, that's awesome but it so we weren't really djing but like we were yeah. a dj business um which is, you know, so I guess <laughs> that's, that's one way to make money. DJ. You were a disc jockey. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, um, we did a lot of high school dances and stuff like that, but we were, we were that's super cool. cheap compared to like a real DJ. <laughs> <laughs> you better have been playing iTunes. I was like, where's the, where's the turntable? What? I, yeah. Give me back my money. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean some people loved it because like we, we were super just like we would we made a website ahead of time where the people going to the dance could request music ahead of time and we oh, would cool. all like preload it and then um we would also take requests like the whole night and we would buy music on the spot if we didn't have it um because we brought like a little be, like lime wire music on the spot if i had to we we thought about that but we wanted to make sure we were doing the whole business like legit <laughs> So, yeah, good on you. 